2 Timothy chapter number four, if you're there, say amen. The Bible said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at the appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. Verse number three, for the time will come will they, not, will they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure inflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. How many are glad the verse don't stop right there? Because that would have just been Paul. He said, and not to me only, but in all of them that also love his appearing. Let's pray to Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning. Thank you for the song service. Or thank you for a church that has life. Or thank you for a place, Lord, where the Spirit of God is not just present, God, but felt. And Lord, we do our best not to grieve you. We do our best to honor you and respect you. And I pray, Lord, this morning that you'd just move in the midst of our hearts this morning. God, we all need to be stirred. We all need to be challenged. We all need to be changed. We all need to be encouraged and strengthened or convicted this morning. I pray, Lord, that we didn't just come to sit and look nice and hear something to be said, to check off a box and go home and to feel good about ourselves. But we came because we need help this morning. We came because we need that encouragement, God. We need that reviving. We need that regaining of strength. We pray, Lord, this morning that you'd work on our hearts. God, take your word and do what I cannot do this morning. Lord, I can only reach one person with what I do in myself at one time. God, you can speak to every heart this morning. I ask you, Lord, that you do that. I pray, Lord, as you speak, those would respond accordingly. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you'd work in the hearts of lives, not of those, not just those that are saved. But God, if there's anybody here lost this morning, God, would you draw them to yourself? God, show them their condition without you. But God, show them what they can have with you. We ask you, Lord, this morning that you'd save them by your grace. We pray, Lord, now that you'd be with those that are in the nursery. Thank you for those that are willing to serve. Be with those that are in children's church this morning. And I pray, Lord, you'd bless them, God, and use it for your glory. We love you and we thank you. Lord, for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. I want to look this morning at verses three and four all the way down to eight, really, and we'll probably tackle verses, uh, verse two tonight, but I want to look at verse number three this morning, and I want you to see something and see if you notice it this morning. It said, for a time will come where well, they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. Now you've gotten to realize this morning when Paul is writing this letter to Timothy, whom he's speaking to here this morning is not a lost and dying world. Whom he's speaking to is not those who have known the truth and those that have uh, or known the truth, those who have never been exposed to the gospel, never heard the preaching of the word of God, but rather he's speaking of those who have sat in churches like you're sitting in this morning, who have been a part of a place 
where God moves and God breathes and God speaks through his word. And he gives this sad report on them that they are no longer there. They have left where they are and they've gone somewhere else. Verse number three, three says, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heat to themselves teachers having itching ears. He said, preacher, what kind of place is that? How can we look out and see and see what that place looks like and, and, and where that place is? I remember being in a Bible college and Brother Robbie Burton explained it this way. He said, you wanna know where that is? Just look for the heaps. Just look for the heaps. And I thought, man, that's a, that's a pretty good explanation this morning. We see here this morning that there is a heap of people in this. The Bible describes them here in verses three and four, these heaps of people. They are motivated by, by their own lust. Look at verse number three. But after their own lust, they have no longer care what God wants them to do. They no longer care about serving the Lord. They no longer care about sacrifice. They no longer care about being a servant like Christ demonstrated to us. They are now motivated by their own lust. They want to do it their way, on their time, at their pace, at their place, and there's nothing that's going to change their mind. They're motivated by their own lust. You look the word up, lust, this morning, it doesn't have a good definition to it. There's no good way to spin the word lust this morning. It means to desire something that is forbidden. Desire something that you and I know is wrong this morning. The Bible said there are some people who started off right, who, who were in the right place, doing the right thing, and through one form and one fashion, they began to desire that which they knew was wrong. These heaps believe that size determines spirituality. The Bible says they heap to themselves. The reasoning is there must be something right because look at all the people that are coming to this. All the people that are around us, they heap to themselves. They desire teachers to tickle. Can I say this morning, I love you to death, but please do not tickle me. Right? I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not for it, it's awkward, all that kind of stuff this morning, but he's not talking about in the physical sense of them going around and poking each other and trying to tickle each other. Notice what it says in verse number three, it says that he put themselves teachers having itching ears. That word itching is, gives us understanding of something we desire to be scratched, something that we desire to, to, to be relieved of, to, to have a pleasant feeling, something that feels good. In essence, they said, we no longer want those that teach the truth. We no longer want those that lay it out line upon line and precept upon precept that preach the truth of the word of God. Give me somebody that's gonna tell me something that makes me feel good about myself. They desire that and they heap to themselves with that kind of teaching. Oh, preacher, it's not that bad. It's not that, it doesn't, it doesn't produce, you know, it's all right, preacher, in moderation. Look at verse number four. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. Not just a little bit, not just a, a kind of step back. The Bible said they shall completely turn away from the truth and turn unto fables. 
Can I say this morning, a fable might be a good story, but there's only one source of truth this morning, and it's the word of God this morning. We don't need, uh, listen, I'm not against illustrations. I'm not against stories that, that help uh, illustrate a point and a truth in the word of God. But can I say this morning, you don't need a good story from me. You don't need a good illustration from me. You and I need the word of truth this morning. You say, preacher, how big of a problem is that already? Do we have any heaps in the world today? Are they present in our modern day? Let me give you some statistics that I found that Pew Research did. They said, listen, this is adult Christians. Those who identify themselves as Christian in the age group of an adult, above the age of, I think, 18 or 21. It said 55% of adult Christians don't pray every day. 55%. 58% of adult Christians do not consider church important. 75% of Christians who identify, or people who identify as Christians don't attend church regularly. And here was the stipulation they put on regular, two times a month. Can I say this morning, if you're going to church two times a month, you're not going regularly. Oh, preacher, you know, go to your job two times a month. Let me see what I have it. Regular church attendance, 75% of uh, American Christians don't do that regularly. Well, you say, well, preacher, 55, 58% preacher. Yes, it's a majority, but I wouldn't call that a heap, preacher. I wouldn't call that a, a, a vast majority, preacher. I think you're trying to play numbers games with us this morning. Let me tell you what it's doing to the next generation. This isn't just teens in general. These are teens who identify as Christians. Teens who are raised in Christian homes. Teens who are raised by Christian parents. The, 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 the statistics said this, 73% of teens who identify as Christian don't pray regularly, don't pray daily, 73%. 76% of teens don't consider church important. Three out of four. 60% of teens. So preacher, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. 60% of teens who identify as Christian don't believe in God with absolute certainty. You say, preacher, my heap, the heaps really aren't that bad, but they're, they're headed to bigger ones. Now, I want to preach on this thought this morning. How do I avoid the heaps? How do I not find myself in the heap that is uh, uh, defined and, and shown to us in First Tim Second Timothy chapter number four this morning. How do I avoid the heap? Can I say that? Yes, they're taking place. Yes, it's happening. Yes, we're watching it play out in front of us. But I'm glad this morning, well, everybody else may head towards a heap. I don't, you don't, we don't have to go that way. The heaps are avoidable. Every Christian can avoid the heaps of watered down and weak Christianity by purposing in their heart to be faithful in the following areas. I want to give you three areas this morning that if we find ourselves faithful in, we'll find ourselves avoiding the heaps. Notice number one, if you're going to avoid the heap, you have to endure sound doctrine. You'll have to endure sound doctrine. Verse number three, for a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. And so in order to avoid the heap this morning, we have to do the opposite of those that are going towards the heap to do this morning. We have to endure sound doctrine. Now, I want to start off this morning. There's some things that'll be said behind the pulpit this morning 
and around our country, really, I guess around the world, they'll be said, but they're not sound doctrine. Can I say, just because it's an unpopular political belief does not mean it's sound doctrine. Just because it's an unusual personal standard does not mean that it's sound doctrine. What do you mean by that, preacher? There's some men who will say, if you're truly called to preach, and if God has truly called you, every time you stand behind the pulpit, you'll only preach with a white dress shirt on. Well, the preacher, you got a white dress shirt on. Do you ascribe to that belief? No. I just have a hard time matching. And so white shirts help out with that. But there's some who say, if you're truly called God, you'll only stand behind a pulpit with a white shirt. They don't have a chapter. They don't have a verse. They don't even have a book of the Bible that says anything like that. And they'll say, it's sound doctrine. If you don't like it, you don't like your Bible. And I say this one just because it's an unusual personal standard doesn't mean it's sound doctrine. And just because someone says it with a friendly personality doesn't mean it's sound doctrine. They'll say something that is nowhere near right. They'll say it loud. They'll say it with face. They'll say it with anger in their voice. And they'll say, if you don't like it, you become my enemy. I tell you the truth. Can I say this morning, there isn't one sword, but one source of sound doctrine, and it's the word of God. And the sad truth about the day and age that we live in is that the liberal side has took out so much truth, you can't even find it no more. And the legalistic side has added so much to it, you can't find truth on either side of it. But thanks be to God, somewhere in the middle, right down in the middle of the road is the word of God. And if me and you will just turn to this, and we'll find our doctrine in this and not find it anywhere else this morning, you and I don't have to go the way of the heat this morning. Notice here, most people's definition of endure is to deal with something when you don't like it. You endure it. You go through. You wouldn't. You wouldn't want to any other day. But I guess if I have to, I'll go through it. Can I say this morning that cannot be our attitude towards sound doctrine? That cannot be our attitude towards uh, the word of God this morning. The definition, that definition, I love the Lord. I love, I love serving God, but I endure sound doctrine. I mean, I wish I could, I could have it any other way. I wish I, I, mean, I wish I didn't have to. I wish I could say it this way and live this way, but you know, I gotta endure. I, got, I, I don't like it, but I'm gonna do my best to just get through it this morning. Can I say this one? That is not the attitude to have towards the word of God this morning. Matter of fact, none of the men in your Bible had that attitude towards God's word. Jeremiah said, it's like a fire. He tried to quit. He said, I can't. Not because everybody said, Jeremiah, you're such a great prophet. It wasn't because Jeremiah had a great ministry with great followers and great, great, great influence upon society. It wasn't because Jeremiah, uh, everybody knew Jeremiah and Jeremiah knew all this. No, Jeremiah said, I tried to quit, but the word of God was like a fire shut in my bones. and I could not quit because the word of God would not let me. But David said it this way. Psalm 119, he said, I love thy law. I love the word of God. Can I say this morning, if you're going to avoid the heat, you've got to fall in love with this book. Can I say this morning, the only way you'll ever go from where you are right now, steadfast in your faith, steadfast in the scriptures, is one day to close this thing, one day to say, you know what, I'm not, I'm not gonna live about it no longer, I'm gonna do my own thing, I'm gonna do it my own way, and the moment you and I do that, we are taking steps toward the heat this morning. Well, you said, preacher, what is sound doctrine? What is sound doctrine? Sound, it means to be free from error. Doctrine is what we are taught and what we learn from those that teach us. Can I say this morning, there's only one book that's free from error. It's your Bible this morning. That's why our doctrine needs to be pulled from the word of God. That which we are taught and that which we teach needs to be taught and taught and teach from the word of God this morning. There's only one book that's free from error. 
you don't need to just carry this thing around. I knew somebody that they thought as long as it was open, as long as we have it open in our house, the devil can't mess with us because the Bible's open in our house. As long as I carry it around, as long as I carry it around, Satan, Satan won't come nowhere near me because I got the word of God. Get away from me. I'll hit you in the head if I have to, Satan. And I say this morning, he ain't scared of a Christian who carries it around. He's fearful of a Christian who knows it. David said, how do he say it? Thy word have I carried beside me that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I left on my coffee table that I might not sin against thee. Thy word have I tossed on my dashboard. Now before you get to think about two spirit, I've, I've put my Bible in all those places. Thy word have I sat on my dashboard that I might not sin against thee. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We need sound doctrine. That word endure means to hold to, to hold up. We hold to sound doctrine this morning. One commentator put it this way. He said, sound doctrine equals healthy doctrine. Doctrine by which you can grow by. Doctrine by which you can mature in your Christian life. Can I say this morning, sound doctrine is not about me and you being comfortable. Sound doctrine is about me and you conforming to the image of Christ. Romans 8, 29, to be conformed to the image of his son this morning. Sound doctrine is the only way you'll ever grow in your Christian life because sound doctrine gives you what you need to grow. In essence, if you went to the doctor this morning and they said, hey, uh, I want to let you know you got high cholesterol. But if you act now, you change up some things, hey, you can get that down and everything will be back where it needs to be. Can I say, that's the kind of doctor I want that's going to not just tell me what's wrong with me, but tell me how to fix it. That's what the Word of God does. It not only tells us what's wrong with us, but it tells us the solution. The doctor I don't want is the doctor that says, hey, you got high cholesterol. Have a great day. But here this morning, the word of God says, yes, me and you have problems and we have issues, but the doctrine that is found within these pages can help me you grow to be more like Christ. Here's the thing. The heaps want to know how to be a better me, to be a better you, how to have a greater life, how to be wealthy and healthy and prosper. I challenge you to go, go I was going to challenge you to go listen, but don't do that. I don't want you to get accidentally hooked on it. Read about them and see what they stand for. But notice here this morning, the heaps want to know how to be a better person, how to be a better me. Sound doctrine shows me and you how to be like Christ. You ever met somebody and after talking to them you thought, yeah, I'm never going to church where they're going. I was... uh out somewhere one time and I got introduced as the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. And anytime that happens, people change. They just change. They just all of a sudden, you know, whether they've been to church in five years or, or, or they were there Sunday, they have been faithful to the name of the church that they can't quite remember yet. But everything changes. 
And he said, you're the pastor of South Haven Baptist Church. I said, yes, sir, I am. He said, oh, yeah, I love, I love listening to Stephen Furtick. I said, okay. I mean, I know who he is. Don't listen to him, but I know who he is. And he said, I love listening to him. Man, he's so good. He's so great. I mean, he just, I mean, he's influential. He's changing my life. He's helping me. And, 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 I, and I just can't get enough of him. I asked him, I said, what was the last sermon you listened to? He said, uh, I don't know, I like them all. I said, good answer. <laughs> but then for the next three hours, four hours I was with this man, every other word was a cuss word. Vulgar jokes. All this, that, and the other. And I thought to myself, if what that man is teaching you and you are enthralled with and you are applying and listening, if that's what it produces, I don't want any of that. I want sound doctrine. I want sound doctrine because sound doctrine will make you and I more like Christ. Let me ask you, what option sounds better to you? The heaps of comfortable carnality or the holy way of sound, sound doctrine this morning? If you and I are going to avoid the heaps, we'll have to endure sound doctrine. Hold to sound doctrine this morning. Then notice number two, we'll have to endure inflictions. Endure afflictions. Look at verse number five. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Now there's that word endure again, and this time it isn't tied to the word of God or the sound doctrine. It is tied to inflictions. Can I say this morning, not only must we hold on to the right stuff, but we must also hold on to the Lord in the middle of rough times. Can I say this morning that afflictions are gonna happen? When Jesus was teaching there on the seaside, he had that vast crowd around him. He began to teach that parable about the seed and the sower. He talks about the seed falling on the stony ground. And that seed begins to sprout and it begins to grow. It's received gladly until the sun comes out and the heat is turned up and the pressure is put on. And the Bible says that Jesus teaches them that that which has begun to grow begins to wither because it never took any root. Never had no real place to grow. And so many times, so many Christians are excited, saved by the grace of God, but they never let it fully take root. They never let it uh, grasp them completely. And when the storms come and the problems and the afflictions, it's not an if, but it's a when. Problems are going to arise in those who are not willing to endure sound doctrine will not be able to endure afflictions this morning. Those, those problems that come, if you think the Christian life is void of problems and issues, either you've never read your Bible and met a man by the name of Job, or you've been taught or been reading it out of context. Because the Bible is full of affliction. Matter of fact, speaking of Christ himself, what did it say? He was a man of what? Sorrows. He, he was afflicted. He was all those things while he was here on earth. You can't read a single book of your Bible without affliction, without problems and struggles and strife this morning. Preacher, what is an affliction? It's hardship and troubles. But notice here this morning, look at verse number five. It doesn't say, but watch out all things endure affliction. There's an S on the end of that. Preacher, I just came through one. Preacher, it was hard. It was troubling. The best way I know how to tell you with a smile on my face, get ready, there's another one coming. There's more problems. How many feel like this? I got more problems than I got time. I got more issues to deal with and to go through than I know what to do with. That's why it's important to hold on to 
sound doctrine because that which we hold on to will help us to endure the, inflict, the afflictions of life this morning. That word endured is tied to a lot of different difficulties. There's a lot of different afflictions that me and you are going to have to endure, that we're going to have to hold on and, 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 and trust the Lord through this morning. They're mentioned throughout the word of God. First Peter 2.19, we are told that we'll have to endure grief. We'll have to go through times of sadness and times of mourning. Just yesterday, I sat behind this, or stood behind this pulpit and preached to a lot of people who were going through a time of grief. Can I say this morning, it's, it's one thing to preach to people who are going through it, but it's a whole other thing when you're the one living in it. But we're going to have to endure grief. Notice this, Hebrews 12 tells us, speaking of Christ, how he endured such contradiction of things. Can I say this morning, me and you have to endure being lied on. Being accused falsely of things we didn't do or be accused falsely of standing for things we don't believe in. For being characterized as people who we are not this morning. Paul also tells Timothy that he ought to endure hardness. James tells us, blessed is the man that endureth temptation. We're going to endure these things this morning. Hebrews also tells us what to endure chastening when God disciplines us and deals with us as his children. But notice here this morning, verse number five, when Paul tells Timothy, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions. There's not a period right there. There's a comma. Paul's got more to say. The Lord's got more to say right here. Well, what are we supposed to do in the midst of our afflictions? What are we supposed do when the troubles arise and the problems are evident in our life, what are we supposed to do? Do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of ministry. And that's just what Paul was telling Timothy here is, hey, when those come, don't quit. Matter of fact, when those come, keep doing what you're already doing. Somewhere we've brought in this thought process that when problems come and trials come and tribulation comes and afflictions come in our life, then we are given a, a, a right to sit down and quit serving the Lord. We're given a right to quit doing the work of an evangelist. We're given the right to quit preaching the gospel. We're given the right to quit being a Christian because times are hard, preacher. I just can't do that. Can I say this morning? That's not what we've been told to do. That's not what we've been told to do from the word of God this morning. Preacher, I want to make a difference in my family. Preacher, I want to make a difference on the job side. Preacher, I want to make a difference in my community. I want to make a difference in my sphere of people. How do I, what's, what's a telltale way that I can make a difference with those that I'm around to let them watch you walk through an affliction and stay faithful to the Lord? To let them watch you go through great loss. And you raise your hands and say, yet I'll praise them. To let you, watch you go through a struggle and a trial and yet you continue to serve. He said, make full proof of thy ministry. In essence, that part of serving God, you know, God on the mountaintop, oh yes, he's God on the mountaintop, yes, wonderful mountaintop experience, thank the Lord for him. But if you're gonna make full proof, you can't just serve him on the mountaintop. Full proof is that complete circle, the complete package this morning. And if we're gonna, if we're gonna not find ourselves in the heap, because there's a lot of people in the heap that used to serve God, used to faithfully do the things of God, used to faithfully give out the gospel, used to faithfully believe the truth, used to faithfully do all those things, and then a hard time came, and they said, I can't deal with this, it's just too much, it's, it's too great for me, I'm gonna go somewhere where I feel comfortable, and here's the thing, you, if that's your mentality, if you're looking for a, uh, a complacency, if you're looking for convenience, the truth will not be comfortable to you. But notice here this morning, if we're gonna avoid the heaps, We've got to learn to endure afflictions. That's why Jesus said, cast all your cares upon me. He kept, for he cared, the God of all comfort that I talked about yesterday at this funeral, 
He knows life's hard. He knows that it's difficult for us. He didn't just say, all right, be a big boy and make it by yourself. He said, no, when you're weak, I'm strong. When you're, when, when you're when all those things this morning, if that do by yourself, God said, I can do those for you. You just come to me. So he says, well, we got to endure afflictions. But notice here this morning, those in the heat quit when time, when hard times come. Those who endure, endure through difficult times. There's an old saying, uh, I can't think of it now this morning. I should have wrote it down. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. I think John Wayne said that. I always like his other quote that he said. I'm not going to say it this morning. But can I say, hard times are going to come. It's not an if, it's a when. And when they come, are you willing to continue to serve and trust the Lord this morning? I'll preach, I don't know about that. I don't know, I don't know if I can do that. Can I say you ought to let the Lord change your heart and your mind this morning because if you don't let him do that, you're going to find yourself in a heap this morning. A lot of people know about the uh, Olympic Games started in Olympia in Greece. But there was actually different games that went around that, that little isthmus there uh, in Greece. And one of those was the Isthmian Games. It was like the Olympic Games, slightly different events. But one of the events was the marathon. Now, it wasn't ran like we run it today. It wasn't ran in the essence that the first one across the finish line was the only one that received a crown. Now, Paul talks about that in the other epistles. But in the Isthmian Games, every runner was given a torch. And that torch was lit on fire. And the ob object of the race wasn't just to finish, but it was to finish with your torch still lit. And those that went through the, the marathon of running across the, the landscape and running through the waters and running through all of those conditions, those that finished the race with their torch still lit were given a crown from the king or from the governor of that area. Can I say this one? There's going to be a lot of Christians who are going to finish the race but not with their torch lit. I'm glad this morning that salvation's eternal. I'm glad this morning that once you're saved, you're always saved this morning. But I want to be one of those Christians that just God pulls out of the heat to come to heaven. I want to be one of those Christians that show up at the end of my race with my torch still lit saying, Lord, it was hard, Lord, it was difficult, but it's the best thing I ever did. Lord, I'm thankful, Lord. Thank you for not letting me quit on you. We see this morning that if we're going to avoid the heaps, we're going to have to endure sound doctrine. We're going to have to endure afflictions this morning. Then notice number three this morning. If you and I are going to avoid the heap of carnal Christianity, we're going to have to keep the faith. To keep the faith. Look at verse number seven. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith this morning. Paul isn't just telling Timothy what to do. He's showing Timothy what he's done what the Lord has allowed him to accomplish. He said, I have kept the faith. What does that even mean, preacher? Most people think that means I single-handedly by myself maintained in my own ability the power to not give in, to not give up. I did it all by myself. Thanks be to God, that is not what that means. Paul didn't say, hey, listen, the only reason why you can't make it is because you don't have a good personality. The only reason why you can't make it is because you don't have good fortitude. The only reason why you can't keep the faith is because you're not strong enough. He said, well, preacher, what, what does that word mean, kept? What does that word kept mean? It means to guard, to attend to, to observe. In essence, you make faith the pinnacle of who you are and what you are. Because in reality, without faith, the Christian life is possible. 
Without faith, you cannot live the Christian life. Can I say faith is more than a uh, denomination uh, or a nomination? I don't know how I wrote that down yet. It's more than a nomination declaration. It's more than saying, I'm of the Baptist faith. I'm of the Methodist faith. I'm of the Catholic faith. It's more than that. It's more than just a moniker that we attach to describe who we are and we fill out a piece of paper. It's all that we have in the basis of who we are this morning. You cannot remove faith and still have Christianity. Matter of fact, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. But with faith, all things are possible. It goes on to tell us the word of God says we live by faith. Romans 1.17, the just shall live by faith. Faith. faith gives me a new understanding this morning. Hebrews 11, verse number one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse number three, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Can I say this morning, say, preacher, how do you know where we came from? How do you know all this worked out? Because I have faith. What God told us in the word of God is true this morning and the word of God tells us that God, I'm not a product of evolution. I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. I'm a holy and I'm, I'm, I'm a wonderful creature creation of God this morning, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and if there is a creator, he is one that I'll have to answer to. We see here this morning that faith gives us understanding. Faith opens the door to eternal life. For by grace are you saved, through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Faith is the essence of our reward. Verse number eight, Paul talks about that award because he didn't allow himself to become part of the heap. He said, I endured sound doctrine. Paul, many times in his epistles, talks about how it was received to him, it was given to him, and he's given it to others, speaking of the gospel and the truth of God's word. He, did, he, he endured afflictions. Go read the biography of Paul in the book of Acts. He's been through a whole lot more than most of me and you will ever experience in a lifetime. Shipwrecked, snake bitten, lied on, beat, left for dead, accused, jailed. Paul said, but I endured. I trusted it was all part of God's plan. The same man who went through that said, God works all things together for good to them that are called according to his purpose. And I say this morning, faith is the essence of our reward. Paul said, I, I kept the faith, that which was delivered to me from Christ, and from God himself. He said, I've treasured it. I've invested in it. I've allowed it to be the pinnacle of my life. I've, I've lived by faith. I have kept the faith. Verse number eight says, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. See, faith is the essence of our reward. Hebrews 11 tells us that he is the rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But right before that it says, for he that is cometh to God must believe that he is. Why would Paul go through all of that? Why would Paul go through that discomfort? Why would Paul go through that pain? Why would Paul go through those struggles? Why would Paul go through all that he went through? He could have easily had an easy life. He was educated. He was well known. He could have easily became a motivational speaker, an inspirational man, and, and lived a comfortable life and never went through what he went through. Why would Paul go that? By faith, he believed God had a reward for him. It was greater than comfort. Faith is precious. It's the most valuable thing we possess this morning. Without faith, we have nothing. 
We must guard. We must attend to it. We must treasure it. For if we don't, we'll find ourselves in the heaps this morning. Let me ask you this morning, are you going to live by faith? Or will you join the heaps who are living merely by their feelings this morning? How do I avoid the heaps, preacher? Endure sound doctrine, hold to it. Preacher, how do I avoid the heaps, endure afflictions, hold to the Lord in the midst of your troubles? Preacher, how do I avoid the heaps? Keep the faith. That which has been delivered unto you, stick with it, follow it, trust it, and make it precious to you. Can I say this morning, you don't have to find yourselves in the midst of the heaps. You can find yourselves at the feet of Jesus receiving a crown of righteousness because you followed and served the Lord this morning. Let's all stand this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Pray the Lord's worked in your heart, helped you with some things, encouraged you, maybe convicted you this morning. Naomi would be here and say, Preacher, pray for me. I don't want to find myself in the heaps. Preacher, I don't want to find myself in verse number three and verse number four living there, being a part of that. Can I say this morning, I don't want to find myself there. I've watched some that I love fall into a heap. I've watched some that I started out with, some that I served the Lord with. Now they're in a heap. Can I say this morning, I want to go that way. I want to find myself there. Desire is great and it's wonderful. But it's going to take more than that this morning. Hey, you're going to have to endure sound doctrine. You're going to have to figure out what the Word of God says. And when God says it, you need to believe it. God has used great men. God has used men to preach the gospel down through the generations. But if what they're saying doesn't line up with the Word of God, always take the Word of God this morning. You're going to endure inflictions. If you're looking for the easy way out, fortunately Christianity isn't the answer for that. Oh yeah, you'll spend eternity in heaven. You'll go through some trials down here. That's what makes heaven so wonderful this morning. It's a place that is void of affliction. But what makes afflictions, what makes it possible to make it through afflictions down here is the one we hold on to. Don't let a hard time push you into a heap this morning. If you're going to avoid the heaps, you've got to keep the faith. Pray for me, preacher. I don't want to find myself in the heap. My hand's up this morning. I don't want to find myself in the heap this morning.